Welcome to the podcast of Azel Christian Church. We are a Disciples of Christ Church community in Azel, Texas. We invite everyone to be who you are with us, the doubting, the believing, the wondering, and everything in between. On this podcast, you'll hear our pastor, Reverend Ashley Dargai, preach on how the expansive and generative love of God is seen through Jesus, the prophets, the early church, and the faith forebears, and how this love helps us care for the world more deeply and faithfully. Sometimes it's messy and tough, but it's good news, and it is for you. Our scripture for today is from Colossians 1, 24 through 2, 5. It will be on the screen, and it's also on the back of your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. I am now rejoicing in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am completing what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. I became its minister according to God's commission that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery that has been hidden throughout the ages and generations, but has now been revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is he whom we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone in all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil and strive with all the energy that he powerfully inspires within me. For I want you to know how greatly I strive for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. I want their hearts to be encouraged and united in love so that they may have all the riches of assured understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am saying this so that no one may deceive you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit. And I rejoice to see your orderly conduct and the firmness of your faith in Christ. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. For the first six years of our marriage, J.D. and I attended Church of Christ churches. Now, if you know anything about the Church of Christ as a denomination, you probably know that they typically worship without the use of instruments, and they do not allow women to speak in worship, on the whole. And it's another story for another time, but if you can believe it, I am a pastor today because of my experience in the Church of Christ. And not out of spite, okay? but out of a good nurturing experience I had at a little church in Austin, Texas. So when JD and I lived in Austin, we attended this old church right off the campus of the University of Texas. It is in a historic building that was built over 100 years ago, and it has lots of stories and winding staircases. It's a very confusing building, actually. And the church itself has roots as old as this church. And it had this beautiful sanctuary that slanted toward the chancel with high stained glass windows and majestic lighting. And the sanctuary was a mixture of old and new. It had screens in the front and a brand new sound system, but the faded teal carpet hadn't been updated since the 1970s. 
and the size of the room suggested that it was a very large church, able to seat 700 people, which it did in the 1960s. But on any given Sunday morning, there were about 70 people scattered about the space. So the first Sunday, J.D. and I walked into the building. We stepped into this dated sanctuary and heard the old a cappella hymns and saw a lot of white hair and thought, I don't think this is the place for us. But then something strange happened. A woman got up to pray. And then a married couple presided at the table. And then another woman served us communion. We had never seen something like this before in a Church of Christ congregation. JD leaned over to me at some point during the service and said, are we in the twilight zone? And then another strange phenomenon occurred. That day, our first day there, it took us 30 minutes to get out of the sanctuary because people kept coming up and introducing themselves to us. And we returned the next week and somehow found ourselves at lunch with one of the elders. And then the next week, before we realized it, we were being handed a donut in Sunday school and being asked our thoughts on scripture. And then the next week, I was startled to find myself sipping a glass of wine at dinner at another elder's house whose wife regularly gathered young women of the church to listen to and pray for and feed them. And then the next week, we were asked to lead at the table, something I had never done before. And then the next week, we got a card in the mail from Gloria, a 70-year-old woman who spoke like she was a 1940s movie star and dressed like Diane Keaton, thanking us for the meditation we gave, saying, and I quote, thank you for your thoughts at the table. They were fresh and not old-fashioned. See you this Sunday. Love, Gloria. I still have this note. And before we knew it, I was teaching a Sunday school class. And we had seen the inside of every elder's house because they kept inviting us over for dinner. And we served communion regularly, and we got used to all the hugging, mostly. (laughs) We had been integrated into this church and truly felt like we belonged, and we didn't even really try that hard. We just kept finding ourselves in places. Because you see, in the early 2000s, the church elders voted for an egalitarian step forward. They wanted to stop blocking women from leadership in worship. The church at the time had a few hundred members. But after the vote and implementation, the church lost a lot of those members to more conserving churches of Christ. Many people left in protest over this decision. Despite necessary social change over the past century, this move toward inclusion is still very unpopular in the Church of Christ at large. But I have to imagine that the eldership, in their wisdom and clear-eyed assessment, knew something like this might happen. And they did it anyway. They voted to include women in worship leadership. Now, of course, they didn't allow for women to hold all the roles available to men, at least at that time. Their step forward was big, but not enough for many, not enough for me in the end. I admire their courage. The courage it takes to know you will likely lose a lot because of a decision. And to do it anyway. 
because it's the right thing to do, because it's long past due, because they knew they were stifling half the church, their own beloved sitting next to them. And though it took a minute to steady themselves as a congregation, what was devastating one day became the doorway to an even more inclusive and thoughtful environment in that church. And years later, the ripple effects of that courageous and inclusive move washed over me and JD. Because the church had made the move to open their minds and their hearts, their arms naturally opened too. Their doors opened, their homes opened. The vision of what was possible, of who was in, who had something to give, opened up to a horizon that they were always stretching toward. So for example, the church has a very nice covered patio with picnic tables and benches next to a playground that parents often utilize after church. And it's in a prime location because this is right downtown Austin. And one summer, the church leaders noticed that it was being regularly trashed with beer bottles and food wrappers. And they sometimes found folks who did not have housing sleeping off the night before on the benches. But instead of calling the police or telling the people to never come back, the church leaders invited them to their long-loved Wednesday night meals, a tradition that had been in place longer than anybody could remember. But new people necessarily bring change. And these folks who did not have secure housing were rowdier than the older folks who attended the meals. They sometimes stunk. They were often not completely sober. They disrupted the peaceful Wednesday night devotion with questions and comments. But instead of kicking them out or packing them a to-go box and sending them on their way, the church let their beloved Wednesday night fellowships change. They let themselves be changed by their guests. And the dinner organically became this outreach event. The congregants told their new friends to bring their friends. And instead of listening to a sermon, they would all discuss a scripture together as a group over a meal. And the church members started bringing home these new friends to shower and to get a home-cooked meal and to do laundry. They even helped one expecting couple secure housing and a job. Because you see, the church knew from a painful, formative experience that letting go of something they loved dearly, be the way that they liked things done, or even fellow church members, was not all loss. They didn't have to fear the death of what was. They were resurrection people, after all. So in this section of the letter to the Colossians, Paul waxes poetic about the suffering of Christ and how it correlates with his. And he notes that spiritual maturity, the kind he wants for the church in Colossae, meant coming to terms with the possibility of this suffering or death. And this is a vital part of the Christian story and worth uh, exploration someday, not today. But he also notes another part of spiritual maturity. And that's the recognition that Gentiles were part of the beloved people of God. They were not second-class citizens or people who have to put in the time. They were the riches of the glory of Jesus Christ. 
these Gentiles had something to teach the church in Colossae. They brought a rich and glorious understanding of God that would necessarily change things for the Colossians. And perhaps what the writer of Colossians understood is that the church in Colossae was not owned by the original Colossians. It ultimately didn't matter who was there first or longest because the church is Christ's alone. Christ is the treasure. And this reminder to the church that Christ and the church are given to the Gentiles too is not unique to Colossians. It's something that has to be reiterated in multiple epistles. And in the book of Acts, Peter has a dream where he is told that Gentiles get to be a part of the church too, just as they are, without having to be circumcised or obey dietary laws. And being a devout Jewish follower of Jesus, he resists it at first. He can't believe it. That's just not how things are done. But then he goes to a Gentile person's house. And what he experiences there is a hospitality and a curiosity from a Gentile that he could not initially express himself. And he's changed. The entire Christian mission is changed. We are Christians because of it, thanks be to God. Now, it's a feature of religion that people will feel possessive, even territorial of how their faith, of their faith and how it is practiced. They will do outrageous things out of a sense of being protective. They will set traps of destruction and death for themselves because they would rather die within their walls than open their gates. From the beginning of our own Christian story, this is true. Yet the story of Christ, the story of the church, is to open those gates anyway. Because this, all of this, it's not any of ours, really. It's not mine. It's not yours. It's not the matriarchs and the patriarchs of the church. It's not the founders. It's not Barton Stone's or Alexander Campbell's. It's not Martin Luther's. It's not the Pope's. The church is Christ's, and we're the guests. You know, we say at the table that all are welcome because it's not our table. It's Christ's table. This is not our church. It's Christ's church. And so I wonder what that looks like. Because it's an easy thing to say with earnestness and conviction. What does it look like in practice? For the church in Austin, it meant saying yes, finally, to a group of people that had long been shut out, even if it meant the church lost a huge chunk of its members, even if it meant the church might have closed because too many left. It meant that they let go of a beloved ministry, a long-standing standing tradition that held memories and meaning in order to be changed by their housing insecure neighbors, in order to give themselves away one plate at a time, one yielding at a time, one Wednesday night at a time. 
And because of those difficult decisions, because of their baptismal way of life, of dying to themselves and rising in new life, they were transformed. Their sense of welcome and integration and curiosity about what God was doing in each new person that entered their doors allowed life to spring up again. It allowed for little sprouts to push through the dirt that they then nurtured through evening dinners in their homes, through learning everyone's name and story who entered the door, through embracing the way the church dynamically moved in a fresh pattern with each new person. This old, old church matured in faith. And after all those years, they were still maturing. They were still growing. They were still evolving because they knew the church was not theirs. They realized that they were not the gatekeepers. And so, what does it look like for us here at Azel Christian Church to mature, to keep maturing, to make hard but necessary decisions? be curious about the freshness that is emerging out of the ground. We might begin where we still stand at the gate, even unknowingly. We might ask questions like, where in church life do we feel possessive, protective, even territorial? What conversations about church feel tender and tricky? What are the parts of church life that feel like we will die without? And how might we remind ourselves that death is not the worst thing that could happen? Where can we still mature? Where are we still standing at the gate? And what riches of the glory of the mystery of Christ will we see when we step back from that gate and let ourselves free fall into that mystery? Amen. Thanks for listening to the Azel Christian Church podcast. Azel Christian Church exists to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through meaningful liturgy during worship, a public witness through outreach in the community, the nurturing of the spiritual life of every age group, and the witness of each member through discipleship, baptism, and the sharing of resources. To support this podcast and the ministries of Azel Christian Church, visit azelchristianchurch.org. Here you can contribute through giving online or find our Venmo information. If you're looking for a church or simply want to talk to one of our ministers, contact us through our website and we will be in touch. Talk to you soon.